I hold the belief that in life and in business, like it's oftentimes there isn't a clear right or wrong. You're just evaluating the trade-offs. This is a Better Product original series sharing stories of big bets made in product. Did they pay off? Let's find out. Not to put it lightly, but 2020 shook everything up, and this is the year where many of us are making different bets professionally and personally. For Kelly Watkins, one bet she took was to leave her role as the VP of Marketing of Slack to take on the role of CEO of Abstract. Now in her new role, she's taking another bet moving from design outputs to outcomes with the launch of Abstract Notebooks. What's the reasoning behind making these bets? Here's a conversation with Kelly. If we look back at history of Abstract, the company started in 2017, and I think really focused on how to solve collaboration and design. And the the limit to collaboration and design then really had to do, I think, with the limits of files. Lots of folks using Sketch, lots of folks using other file-based design tools, and you can't collaborate easily with files, right? We have customers who've you know, talked about those days where they were making schedules, right? So you get the file from nine to 11 and I get it from 11 to one and, you know, or it was that like crazy time of like version X 2.3 and you have version X 2.4. And, you know, so Josh and Kevin who founded Abstract really found this brilliant way to use Git as an enabling technology to version binary files, which is remarkable and revolutionary. And that was really how we got at our start. Partnering most closely with Sketch to help design teams figure out how to work concurrently on design files and keep track of those changes. And over time, a lot of kind of features were built around that. Over the course of that time, though, like all spaces, like a lot changed and a lot continues to change. And you know, I think the thing that people most commonly talk about with design tooling has really been the move to cloud docs or browser-based drawing tools. I think Figma very much, you know, the kind of uh, leader of that change, but I, I don't think it's just isolated with them. Adobe is actively moving their products more to the cloud. We saw, you know, we've seen Sketch come out with Sketch Teams, which is their, you know, ability to kind of work with cloud-based docs. And what I think is interesting about that is the technology advanced and shifted, but the collaboration challenge still remained the same. So when I started working with Abstract first as a board member and then coming in as CEO, that was the thing that just drew me to it. My career to date, GitHub, Slack, all of these places that I've worked, I've always been fascinated by collaboration, like fascinated by this idea of how do you get people to work together in the best way possible? I don't know. It just it was really cool to see that design. I think was at this moment in time is really asking that question. And I felt like, given Abstract's history, we were really like well suited to be able to keep solving that. Has it been challenging to understand the design world, or had you already been in it around it enough, or is it an advantage to to sort of have an outsider's perspective on it? I think it's mixed. Design has has frequently been a part of the marketing teams and the marketing organizations that I run, not product design specifically, but visual and brand design. So, you know, there is some familiarity there, but I think stepping into this role was really important for me to get curious. I spent probably the first three or four months in the job, just talking, talking to customers, uh, talking to designers, reading everything I could. So there's been a lot of self-education to go through. At the same time, 
I think it's really interesting. I think different flavors of leadership, particularly in the kind of chief executive role. And I think oftentimes you have the visionary product leader kind of who really comes in and, and, and sets the vision for the product. Uh, but I don't think that's always necessary. I mean, that's not the, the job that I play at Abstract, right? I've brought on really incredibly talented folks. I think my job is really much more rooted in like, how do we work effectively as a company and how do we achieve the things that we're trying to achieve? So I think it's possible to do this role from all different angles if you can stay humble, uh, you know, about like and, and intellectually honest about like what you're good at and where your growth areas are and surround yourself with really smart people who have the capacity to lead in the areas that you need. I want to make sure I get the history right, because I know you have abstract versions now, but I can't tell if that was was added as you were building out notebooks or if it was always called because I when I think of abstract it was like abstract is all one design versioning sort of a get uh, you know, inspired, you know, solution. But when you came on, what was the state of the product? When I joined Abstract, that was the the main problem that we were solving is if you were a design team, particularly a large design team, how did your team work effectively through using design files? And in joining, you know, one of the things that I thought was so interesting is a lot of the kind of product vision and product principles and so the kind of aha and opportunity that, that we felt like we had was to figure out how to bring a second product to market. How do we can, can continue to serve, you know, these customers who are using files? And I think for some companies, like they will continue to use, you know, local files for as long as they want. But certainly lots of folks have made that shift and we saw the same problems that they were encountering are on how do people effectively work together. And so that was what was so exciting was feeling like all the things that we had learned were still so applicable and we could fill this existing gap in the market and, and bring a second product out, which is our notebooks product that we launched just about a month ago. As more people have moved to Figma or as more people have moved to kind of cloud-based drawing tools, I think we've gotten um, a little bit lost, like kind of forest for the trees around what is collaboration. Because what those tools afford that's so incredible is this sense of real-time collaboration. Like you and I can be in the same space together, but I don't know necessarily if everybody looking at the same thing translates to people being on the same page. And with design in particular, there's so much that goes into an effort, right? There's so much why and so much context behind a design. And I think what we saw is that whatever you're using, there isn't a platform on the market today that enables you to ask somebody for feedback and to have your work reviewed using the context and information that led you to produce that work. So I send you a link to a Figma URL, and I think oftentimes your feedback ends up being really subjective, right? It's like, Ugh, I don't like these blue buttons or like, why are we using rounded corners? Rather than you knowing that I'm asking you to review this work because we saw a 25% dip in customer signups and I'm trying to propose a solution based on all this research that's going to get us back up to a steady state on customer signups. And that's like such a motivating and exciting space to put a product out in. So you're abstract and then you have an abstract versions, which is really for, for versioning. It was really for, for people storing things locally. When you started brainstorming, I know Notebooks just came out recently. What drove the decision to sort of split out two separate products rather than a product with a new feature? The truth with a lot of these things is there's not a right or wrong answer, right? Like, I don't know. I hold the belief that 
in life and in business, it's oftentimes there isn't a clear right or wrong. You're just evaluating the trade-offs. And I think what we saw was that very specific aspects of those products were nuanced enough that we wanted to be able to talk specifically to the customer for them, right? So with our versions product, it's really rooted in a pretty robust system of Git-based version control. And that's not something that we've brought in the same kind of high fidelity way into the notebooks product. So we really wanted to tell a story about if you're using files and if the limits to your collaboration are the limits of files, versions is this product for you. Here's why it matters. Here's what the features are. Notebooks, there's commonalities, right? It's still really rooted in collaboration, but it's really a tool for design teams who are using uh, cloud-based drawing tools. And it has some kind of lightweight components of it, of being able to kind of snapshot and look at how a design unfolds over time, but it's much more rooted in how do you review the work? How do you have the context around the work and how do you really make decisions? So I think ultimately we felt like the kind of core stories of the product were nuanced enough and the audiences for the product are different enough that we wanted to provide great experiences to both customer sets. Now that you've got that background on abstract, I asked Kelly to share where the inspiration for building notebooks came from. Here's where we continued. So we did a huge research study last year, surveyed more than a thousand designers, really to understand what's going on with design. What are the challenges that people are facing? What are the things that they wish they had? And the research that came back from that was incredible and was a huge inspiration for us thinking about our product strategy moving forward. You know, as a case in point, 70% of designers that were surveyed in that study said that managing and sharing work for feedback was the biggest pain point that they have in the design process today because it's so manual and it's so kind of complicated, particularly in a larger company where you have lots of different people who need to weigh in on a particular project. So the first thing that we did as we did the lead up to notebooks was we shared this research. We published the State of Design in 2021 report really with the idea of giving people sort of an anchoring and grounding in everything that we had learned. Then that moved to us putting a stake in the ground. We wrote what we called an open letter to design that was really about, based on this research, what do we believe and what do we stand for? And then that led to the release of notebooks. What's great is we've seen huge demand for that product. We launched it as a preview release and we're really oversubscribed. You know, we had more than 2,500 companies sign up to, to use notebooks just in the first few days that we put it out there. So it feels like we, we've really hit a chord on what we've built and are really enjoying seeing people on board and, and get their feedback on how it's working for them. I want to know a little bit more about how notebooks sort of emerged internally. So we're talking about the release, but let's back up. Like when did the idea come about saying that there's something changing here or we need to evolve as a company? One of the cool things about Abstract and one of the cool things about the DNA of the company is it's so heavily rooted in design and the design space. And so I think we've tried to be good students and good followers of those trends and those changes from the very beginning. What's changing in design? What's really beneath the changes and and what are the opportunities there? And, you know, I think it was guided by a couple of things. We are a very customer-led company and customer feedback is really important to us. And so as we worked with customers, they talked about some of these challenges and these gaps. You know, as we did this big research project that I mentioned, and really as we looked to what's next for the company, you know, how, how do we think about continuing to add value and continuing to really 
create a difference for design teams for the long haul. So these were conversations that were taking place. And then as I came in, you know, I think we really started to zero in based on, on customer feedback and a lot of research, you know, what could this product be and, and what could it look like? And there was a handful of threads that helped with this. I mean, certainly I was prior to Slack, worked at GitHub, and I think I really saw the power there of pull requests and how those work. And I've always imagined a world where it wasn't just developers who had that sort of mechanism for giving feedback and reviews. And so I think there was a, a little bit of, of that inspiration that certainly came in for us and thinking about if you look at how designers work today and you sort of compare it in an analog to developers, a lot of the tools that designers are using to create visual assets almost function like editors, right? Where a developer is writing code. And I think it's a missing piece for design teams today to have a platform for reviews. And as, as we talked internally and talked to customers, that just became more and more and more apparent. We really felt like we wanted to do something there. What is a pull request? And in in code and in and I saw a tweet that you had retweeted that it was a pull request for designers from somebody in reference to notebooks. So it help define what it is from from GitHub to to how you apply it to notebooks. So a pull request is one of the central components of GitHub and what it enables developers to do, particularly when you're using a branch, it is the request uh, at, a, at a base level, it's the request to have the, your work on your branch pulled back into sort of the, the main, um, main branch. But it's much more than that. If you look at the GitHub UI and everything that's been layered on top of it, what it is, is it's this space where there's opportunities for transparent, asynchronous conversation about changes to the code base. Lots of people can weigh in based on feedback, more changes can be made and those can be captured. And it really almost captures and tells the story of somebody's proposed changes over time from the very beginning of their idea all the way through to those changes, you know, passing tests and being merged back into the main branch. And I think I saw during my time there just incredible benefits from the ability of developers to manage their own feedback process, to ask for feedback early and often, but also for everybody to kind of have this capacity to sort of transparently see what was taking place, um, to know that like, if you and I were both giving feedback, we had the ability to see each other's feedback. It wasn't just one-off conversations in isolated silos. And so I think there are a lot of parallels from that world that were really exciting to think about bringing into design and, and kind of giving designers the same sort of platform for review and feedback on their work. I'm not a coder, but I've worked alongside them a lot and I, and I see that. And there's a, the functional aspect where you're like merging branches and making sure that that's all working. But it feels like what you're doing with notebooks is kind of like elevating so you can describe what's going on. So as a, a good coder is one who has good comments and can add, you know, color to why there was. As a designer, I went to design school and you've taught how to do design critique and you just get, it's, it's actually one of the most difficult processes because most professors will tell you that the real world is like this. They're going to hammer you with questions, by the way, it's not like that. So if there's any students listening, it actually gets a lot better. People are not <laughs> as mean in the professional world, <laughs> but I've been designing, you know, about 15 years and I felt like when you get in the real world, like all those design decisions become very superficial and you actually lose a lot of that rationale building. And, and as you're remote, it's, you can't 
really talk about the why that's behind that design. And so you're left with debating drop shadow spreads and, and like roundness of corners. It feels like what notebooks is doing is almost elevating design back to like what it's supposed to be, which is the ability to talk about the why uh, around that, a reaction to it. No, I think you're right. And two things that I would add to that is one, we talked a lot about the kind of technological changes for design tooling, right? There's this other important change that's happened at the same time, which is what businesses expect from design has changed. Flashback to some time ago. And I think the aesthetics were really front and center. I remember articles written about iOS 7 moving away from schemorphic design, right? And that, like that was just like the headlines of the day, right? Or articles written about the hamburger menu, you know, and it was very much about like, what was the aesthetic? And, and that was sort of the impact of design on a company. And that has radically shifted. But even when I talk to leaders and companies, like they expect design teams to deliver on business outcomes, fundamentally believe that like good design is a differentiator for the business and that design is a competitive advantage of how they're going to win. And, you know, the data backs it up. You look at this McKinsey report and it shows that like industries where design really is that differentiator, those companies do better. So this shift has taken place. And then on top of that, the design process, because I think it is, because I think design has just become more interdependent. So, you know, I, I talked to so many people, um, particularly designers, and one of the challenges they, they talk about is just triangulating feedback. You know, so you produce this solution to a problem and you've got to go single, like in a singular fashion to the accessibility team and get their feedback. You've got to go to the internationalization team and get their feedback. You've got the product team, the engineering team, the marketing team. And I feel for designers today because they're working that feedback process in a really one-off way. And those teams aren't aware of each other's feedback. And so I think you're totally right with what we were trying to do with notebooks and bring this context to bear. But the so what there was really one, like how do we bring all of this feedback into one place and centralize it so designers aren't having to manually work this feedback process themselves? And two, the ultimate thing we're trying to achieve here with this is how do we help design have all the tools that they need to do what they're being asked to do by the business? I was just thinking that myself. I get I still talk to a lot of design students and younger designers. You probably see this too. Every designer wants to like have a seat at the table and do strategy, but nobody really knows what strategy means. But it, it really does start with being able to understand how your design decisions tie to the business and you're sort of offering that, that better path so that they can elevate that conversation out of there. God, you're also giving me flashbacks. I got caught up in the skeuomorphic flat. Like it was like, <laughs> God, that was like really a moment. Like that was so important. Like, why did that happen? Gosh. <laughs> I mean, we're always critical of anything new that happens, but that was really, that was something that like really just like blew everybody away for a while there. We're sitting here in March of 2021 and you've got some good traction. You've got some good feedback on notebooks. So what are you looking forward to? What are you trying for the rest of the year? I'd be curious how you and others are defining big bets because in a way like decision-making is always guessing. So whether big or small, I think we're always making bets. You know, I think 
for us and, and where abstract is really focused. And I think what matters this year is, is twofold. You know, we, we know that there are, are, are incredible customers using our versions product and want to continue to make that an incredible experience for them and continue to meet their needs. And then two, how do we figure out how to grow and accelerate the path for notebooks? We're seeing a lot of positive demand uh, for the product, but this is a new effort for us. And I think we're going to continue to need to be excellent and, and really live up to our values. One of the things we talk about internally a lot at Abstract, we have a handful of values, but one of the ones that I really love is this idea of getting to the next hill. And how do we just continuously think about what's the next step that we've got to take? How do we not just show up one time and have this momentary flash in the pan, but how do we think about consistency and action and consistency and excellence? And I think Though it might not seem that way on the surface, I think that is a big bet this year. And it's a big bet for a lot of reasons. We're a distributed team. We've always been a distributed team, but we continue to be distributed. There's a lot of fatigue that employees and that customers and that everybody has around, you know, working in a distributed fashion. How do we think about continuing to meet customers' needs? I don't know there's just all sorts of components to this of of how do you show up every day and, and really be as excellent as possible. I think that's one of the big focus areas for us. I've been doing this podcast for a couple of years and, and we, I've had a lot of like heads of product talk about bets and I'd never thought about that. And so when I think about a big bet, I guess what I'm thinking about is the upside and the downside. Like all these analysts or investors will talk like asymmetric risk and all that, which I do not understand well enough to know. I just know that's a thing they say. So when I'm talking about it, I think about, you know, where are you sort of putting an idea or a vision on the line saying there's not a lot of evidence for this yet, but we think there's enough to like bet that it's going to continue going this way. And maybe notebooks is, is really it because you've seen this shift, but it almost feels like the initial traction you've got is already been like, okay, that's cool. So now I, I totally understand the value you're describing of getting to the next till. So maybe that felt like a big bet at the time, but it really is, 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 is making sense. So now you've got to figure out what that next thing is and continue adding value to it. I can see why folks talk about that. And I can see why, I think that's like the cool side of leadership was like getting to come in and, and tell these big bets. And I think Oftentimes, success stories are like written from the perspective of the victory lap. Where my head has been, at, you know, where I've been talking a lot with leaders at Abstract is, I, I think it's some of the things that are the less glamorous side of leadership. How do we create a company where people can really thrive? You know, we're a small company. How do we balance being a two product company and the nuances and, and pieces that come with that? So I don't know if those are like big bets in the, you know, in the like, war story kind of version of big bets, but the day-to-day -day reality of leadership, I think is you have all of these small decisions that have huge impacts, whether or not they feel like they will in the moment. And again, just how are you consistently evaluating the, the trade-offs between those? Well, let me ask you this. So this is, so another way that I've framed it in, in myself, having to lead you know, my own team through last year Every business was affected differently, but I think overall it was just awful for everybody in some some way. And that's about the time you came on. So I've noticed for me personally, the way I'm leading my team is a little bit different. I've likened it without using too many like war metaphors, but it's like 
I felt like last year was a lot of like our backs against the wall. Like it was like clawing and there was like this like camaraderie, like we're just fighting to like get out of this. And then everything is like the, the clouds have parted and everything are better. And it's like, I have to be like, okay, that story doesn't work anymore. Like now I need a new sort of, you know, landmark. So when I think about even for innovate map for my agency, I think about, okay, looking ahead to 2021, it's almost easy, I guess, to say that, Hey, everything's horrible. If we can get any success, it's great. Now it's like, things are actually looking up. How do we make sure that we optimize? So I'm curious for, from your perspective, you talked about even leading your team. Have you found yourself changing the way that you sort of lead the team or even oversee the product versus, you know, maybe where you were at when you started a year ago? Yeah. I mean, last year was a wild year to take a CEO gig for sure. And it's interesting. And I haven't talked a lot about so many components of it publicly, but, you know, I felt like every week there was something around something that was happening, you know, externally that, that had impacts on employees. And it was constantly trying to keep up with those pieces. And I think folks were tired last year. There was so much stress for a variety of reasons. And so I felt like we were trying to kind of constantly respond in the moment, rolling out flexible working hours for people. We started offering folks the last Friday of the month off as a like collective company day off, just so that there wasn't FOMO around people taking time off and just trying to have as much slack and spaciousness in the system as possible. I want to say that I'm so proud of this company and so proud of the people who work here that I think in a year of a lot of adversity, we conceived of and launched a product in about seven months. Like that's remarkable. And I can't take any of the credit of that. It's just testament to like what an awesome team of humans this is. I think where my head was at, you know, as, as much as I was trying to focus on how to take care of our people and, and make sure that they weren't burning out and they had sort of the kind of tools that they needed, not just for work, but also just to survive last year, a lot of it was on focus, you know, and I think you asked, what am I doing differently this year? And I think that's one thing that I definitely won't change. But I think people are still tired, right? And so a big thing that I've been kind of leading with and since I started in this role is like, what's essential and what isn't? And how do we really make sure that the things that we're saying that are essential are things that people could take on? And, you know, certainly this year, I think we'll figure out how much more kind of scope we can add in, but I think we're still trying to be pretty focused just to like not burn people out and make sure that they have a clear space around things. Yeah, that's got to be challenging to think about. You have to grow the company, you have to grow the product, you have to own revenue, but you have to be very sensitive to, are you asking too much from your team? That's a, that's a pretty big challenge ahead of you. I'm not trying to like make it more serious, just to say, yeah. <laughs> It's true. I think if you were to ask me like things that keep me up at night as a CEO, it's less to do about like product and product strategy stuff and more about how does this stay an environment where people can thrive. And I think thriving in the past 12 months has had so many different dimensions to it. I don't think we've always gotten it right. I think that would be disingenuous to say, but I think the thing we've tried to focus on is just having space for people and trying to meet people where they are. I guess the other thing is like, I think one of the secrets for me for this job is just being really honest about the fact that like the answers don't come from me and they can't all come from me. So how do we have a company where anybody can raise a solution? We're still small. So folks generally know each other and we have a lot of great avenues to do that. But I think even as we grow, I want to maintain a commitment to that because I think good ideas can come from any part of the company. And there's certainly people who see things every day that I will never, ever see. 
So what I'm really curious to know is what's next for Abstract? A couple of things. So you know, I think you're going to see a number number of things from us this year. Um, there's a lot more coming on Notebooks, the new product that we just took out. You know, today Notebooks works with Figma and Sketch, uh, but we've got a lot of exciting plans to bring that to other tools so that folks have opportunities to have their work reviewed. So more coming there. We have a number of really awesome open positions at the moment, in particular looking for a principal designer. So I think one of the things I'm hoping that comes next for us is somebody really awesome and decides to join that. And then lastly, there's a handful of things that we're working on that are really about facilitating more conversations in the design space about the work and the shifts that are taking place in design. So Josh Brewer has a new podcast series that's out for us called By Design, which is awesome really talking to design leaders about their work and their craft. And we've got a handful of more things coming that are in those veins. As much as I think our product is really a, a platform for substance and conversation, we want to create an extension of that with a lot of the other work that we're doing and create more space for folks to talk about all aspects of what's going on in this world. Well, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. Follow the series by joining us at betterproduct.community.